Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, now I can take a breath and get ready for the rest of the service. So uh, get your Bibles out, turn to Haggai or Haggai or however you say it. I wouldn't shorten it. That's the only thing I wouldn't do, Haggai or Haggai. And so we're going to start there. We're in part two of a series I'm calling It Just Makes Sense. And and honestly, I think we could title every series that. Because really, when you look into the Word of God, God did not make the Word complicated because it is our manual for life. It is our book for success. And uh, if we align our life up with the Word, we will find the most fulfillment. We'll find the greatest success in life because it just makes sense to do life the way God intended God is a creator. God has a plan for everything in life. He has a way to live that will bring you the greatest reward and glorify him the most. In other words, man cannot improve on God's plan. How do you improve on perfection? You cannot do it. So uh, the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So it just makes sense to get God's mind and and things that uh, we're doing in and around the world, in particular our lives. And so we're gonna look into the word again this week and next week and the following week on looking at an area of our life that really can bring the most challenge, can bring the most struggle. Really there's perhaps some of the most deception there and the the world tries to permeate our mindset really in the area of our finances. Now last month we talked about relationships. So relationships and finances really are our two biggest challenges, but if we can get those in line with the word of God, we will find life uh, living more fulfilling uh, and productive for the things of God as God always intended. So let's start right here. I love this passage. It's really um, some uh, challenging, uh, challenging scripture or really an, an eye-opening scripture between two, sandwiched between two warnings from God. Here's what it says in verse five, chapter one. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So he's telling us it's so important how you think. How you think is how you act. And so you need to have the right thoughts. You need to have the right mindset. And again, if his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we need to get our thinking and our thoughts in line with God's. And then he goes on to say this, you have planted much but harvested little. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in here today. Seems like I never can do enough. You eat but never have enough, no matter what I do. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are never warm. And you earn wages only to put them in a purse or a pocket with holes in it. Now, we don't want to say amen to that one, but I think we all can associate life with that one. And then he reminds us again the importance of how we think. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Because we all find ourselves living in that other scripture there at some point in time in our life. And in particular, we're going to talk about the area of finances. But really, this is applicable to every area. We need to have the mindset of God and think the way God thinks. And so we're going to take a look at this in the scripture today. Because really, we have to get God's thinking because we find ourselves living in a world today that has a different understanding about finances than God does. Now, this isn't a message on giving and tithing and Uh, You know, I know those are appropriate and those are necessary. I want this message to really bring you some hope to encourage you that no matter where you find yourself today, financially in particular, there's a way out. Because there's a different uh, understanding the world has about debt and things like that. And really, a lot of the stress and challenges of life come from our finances. Um, And statistics will show, studies will show that your health Mental and physical health is related a lot of times to your finances, worry and stress, and it will cause physical problems within you. It'll cause depression, sadness, grief, 
worry in you. Um, 61% of marriages that end in divorce do so because of finances. 61% because of finances. So it affects our marriage relationship, our other relationships. It affects our parenting. It affects uh, every area of our life. So it's important to get our thinking in line with the word of God. Uh, and the Bible has a lot to say about finances. Um, you know, the world we live in today doesn't help us because it's giving us more ways to get in greater debt. But understand something, there is a day of reckoning coming for your debt. I mean, it's easy for us to put it off one day, but at some point in time, you're gonna be accountable for that. Now, just even the government, this government of this land, which we live in the greatest country on the planet, this doesn't help us either because it's racking up 20 plus mil, trillion, 20 plus trillion dollars in debt. And we're all hoping that we go home to be with the Lord before that comes due, all <laughs> right? I mean, but then our kids or our grandkids are there for it. Someday it comes, it comes, there's a day of reckoning. So we're hoping to avoid those things in our own personal life and we can find some ways out. There is a way out. <clears throat> I'm gonna describe something to you and hold on to the word till I ask for it. Some of the older generation will know what I'm talking about here. I think I kind of was on the end of that a little bit. So do you remember the time that you could go to the store, the appliance store, and you had a need? Maybe you needed a new washer, dryer, or refrigerator. Let's say refrigerator. And all of a sudden, you, don't, you didn't necessarily have the money for it, but you'd find the model that you want, and you would tell the store owner, can I give you like $100 for you not to sell it to anybody, to put it back in the warehouse, and then I promise I'll come every month and I'll make another payment until I pay it off in full. And then you come the day to pay it off in full, and you take that appliance home, and all of a sudden, you have it paid off. You don't owe anything on it, and you get to use it for the first time because it's been completely paid off. Who knows what that word is? What is that we're talking about? Lay away. And the younger generation is saying, lay what? <laughs> lay out, lay up, lay off, lay away, right? And that's the thing that you could do and you would completely pay it off and then you would get to use it. It seems to me like today, by the time we get things paid off, we've already gotten rid of that appliance. We're on appliance two or three now. We're paying for stuff we got rid of years ago. What happened to it? It broke, we gave it away, we don't know, we got another one, we got a better model. And that's the world today. And so there's a better way to live and God has a way out. No matter where you find yourself, God has a way out. So this is uh, something I hope that will bring encouragement to you. Um, and really, this isn't just applicable to our finances, but every area in our life. Let's look at a parable uh, or story that Jesus told about the prodigal son that'll teach us some very valuable principles here. And so turn to Luke 15 for me. This is definitely a day you're gonna wanna have your live notes, because I got a lot of stuff for you. I need to get through it, so you can go back and follow through on your live notes. So at Luke 15, 11, let's start here. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of estate. So he divided the property between them. You know what's interesting to me, back in that period of time, that that's not how that worked. I mean, the sons did not get their inheritance until the dad was dead. Can you imagine the, the, the number two son coming up and saying to dad, dad, can I have all the stuff that's due to me? It's like he's saying, dad, I wish you were dead right now. I mean, because then I could get everything that you have. It was this thing inside this young man that he just wanted stuff. He just wanted something. Something was driving him. I want it now. I don't want to wait. And the dad, he broke with tradition and he went ahead and divided it because I believe he wanted to teach his son a lesson that there's more to life than just money. So he went against tradition and he did divide it up or he gave it to his second son, what his, do, his share was, and he went off and to live his life. And so it goes on to say, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country. He had a plan with all his stuff and there squandered his wealth and wild living or really doing things that really didn't matter. Now his intent wasn't probably to end up this way, but if you don't have a plan or the right plan, then don't think that you're gonna just come out good by accident. 
And so after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Now let me stop for a second right here. Understand something, that no matter what state you find yourself in, the devil is always going to try and bring a famine across your land. Always. Now that doesn't mean that you have to live in a famine, but understand the devil is always going to try and bring a famine across your land. That's his job. That's what he does. He does not want you doing well, and so he's going to try and bring a famine in some area of your life. And it might be financially, it might be physically, it might be relationally, maritally, morally, whatever it might be, but know that he's going to try and bring a famine. You will face something to do with a famine at some point in time in your life, and how you have already managed or managed that time is going to make a difference for you. So there will be a time, a day of reckoning, if you will, or there'll be a time that you will be faced with choices because the enemy's trying to bring a famine across your land. He goes on to say this in the next verse, 15. So he went and hired himself out. So the natural thing to do when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, the natural thing, the first thing we tend to do is try and pursue a natural plan. We try and fix it, right? We try and do what we can to fix it. So he hired himself out. He had this idea. I'm going I'm to fix it this way. Hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. Now listen to, again, the arrogance of this young man's request. I want what's mine. I deserve it. I want it. I want it now. I don't want to wait. Set off to pursue his own things. Found himself living life that really didn't matter, and all of a sudden, as the enemy always will, brought a famine across him to put pressure on him, and things didn't turn out the way that he thought. Then he tried to fix it in his own strength, in his own ability, and found himself in a more difficult situation And that's where a lot of us find ourselves. That's just kind of life. Maybe you find yourself that way today. Again, maybe not necessarily just in your finances, but in life. Now, let me just point out one thing here before we move on. When the young man found himself in this famine situation, can I say this? That's not always a bad place to be. And I want to say that very carefully because sometimes some of us, hard-headed, stubborn, whatever that is, sometimes some of us just have to get to that place of famine to really see the mistakes that we made and really to go and run to God. And can I say, I don't seek those things out, but when they come, and they don't come by God, but God will use those, those are the times that I found that I've grown the most. So if you find yourself in that place, number one, know there's a way out, and number two, learn all you can learn there, because you'll have an opportunity for a famine to come around again. Not only will you be able to live more victoriously through that, you'll be able to help other people that find themselves in a famine. And so for this young man to find this place, it's what helped him realize the error of his ways. And so can I just say that when the pressure's on, don't run from God, run to God, because God will get you out of that, amen? And can I tell you this, that we live in a world that seems to be more pressure-filled, more fear. I mean, I was just looking at the news this morning, and there's shootings in Cincinnati and all kinds of things. And can I tell you that when the pressure's on the most, that's the greatest opportunity for God to shine the most. And so I know this, that just even in talking, and we'll share next week, when we were over in India, they, they told us that our 10 missionaries and the people group we've adopted, they have experienced the greatest persecution that this organization has seen in 20 years. At the same time, they've seen the greatest results for the kingdom that they've seen in 20 years. Isn't it interesting that the harder that the world or enemy pushes, the more God can be glorified? <clears throat> so don't get discouraged in a desperate situation. There is a way out for you. God can turn that around to good and it can make a difference in your life and the lives of other people around about you. But I think what we see in the first half of the story 
is a natural progression that we all can easily fall in or find ourselves in that will lead to this place of famine or a place, a dark place. And I think it's the same progression that we can fall into in every area of our life. And then the second half of the story, we'll see the progression and I think is always the same to get out of these type of situations. So let's take a look at how this young man got into this mess because we get into our messes the same way. It's always the same progression, I believe. So let me give you the first step in this. We end up believing a lie. We believe something that's not true. And you need to understand that your enemy, the devil, who is your enemy, has one weapon, and that is a lie. He is the father of lies. Everything he says is a lie. Everything he does is a lie. Everything he uses against you is a lie. Can I tell you, I always never understand when I talk to people why they negotiate with the devil. All right, Mr. Devil, if you'll just let up a little bit, then I'll skip church a couple times, all right? (laughs) I won't give to this. I won't go do this. I won't serve over here. Just give me a break. Get off my back. Can I tell you, if you're negotiating with the devil, he's lying to you. And so his number one weapon is a lie. So he tries to get you and I in life to believe a lie. That's his weapon. That's what he does. He'll convince you of something that's not true. He'll tell you things like this. He's so much better than the one you got. He's so much better than the man you got. He'll tell you things like this. She's so much prettier than the one you got. He'll tell you the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence without telling you the water bill is a lot higher. It's always going to cost you more, right? It's always going to cost you more, no matter what. He will lie to you. There are a lot of lies when it comes to money. Can I tell you? A lot of lies when it comes to money and possessions. And we need to get back to biblical truth concerning it. God's ways are not the world's ways. They are higher, and God's ways work. And the truth is, from a secular understanding and a biblical understanding, really people become, the problem is people become really self-absorbed. We end up wanting more for ourselves. That's what culture and society teaches us today. We want what's best for us. We want more. We want it all, and we want it now. And somehow we're trained from the time of being young to the time that we're old that it's all about stuff, and it's all about getting yours. Make sure you get yours. No matter what, make sure you get yours at all costs. So we're becoming more and more concerned about ourselves. And really, at the end of the day, the biblical word for that when we're consumed with ourselves, really is pride. And can I say, if we're going to be completely honest and stuff, and I hope that we are, and walking out this progression, because then we'll find a way to freedom, but we need to understand that it's not all about us, and pride is a lie. The enemy will feed you and will get you into desperate times and desperate situations in every area of your life. The seed of every bad road we end up on, maritally, morally, relationally, financially, at the beginning of that road, you'll find what the Bible describes pride or a haughty spirit. Something that says, you deserve it. You deserve it now. You deserve all of it. You should have it. You really need it. Why not you? Let's take a look at what that looks like. Proverbs 16, 18. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before. What goes before destruction? Pride will always go. If you're facing destruction, pride has always gone before to help get you there. Pride always goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. What always comes before a fall? A haughty spirit are thinking higher of yourself than you ought. The enemy wants you to elevate you where God wants you to serve. God wants you to become the servant of all. The enemy wants you to be all about you. And so there's this, there's this understanding we have to have that pride is the lie the enemy feeds us. If you know the progression then, however, you can stop it and you can stop it early. See, if we can learn to live a life of humility, contentment, and simplicity, there's really nothing the devil can lure us into. 
If we learn to live a life of humility and contentment, there's really nothing the devil can lure us into. If we already are grateful for what we have and can't believe how fortunate we are to have it, we won't lust for more things. I'm thankful for what God's given me. I got a roof over my head. I got food on the table. I got a car to get where I need to get. I got a wonderful, amazing wife, great kids. God has blessed me. I got a great job. I'm blessed to do what I get to do. I'm so fortunate to do what God's called me to do. Listen, if you live your life that way, and I have my moments, don't get me wrong. Listen, the devil can't lure us into these lies and deceptions and get us under this trap. But when you recognize where you are, then you can stop and back out of it. So before we get there, we need to back out of these things and come back to humility. And, and understand that, you know, the last thing that we should do is think higher than ourselves than we ought. You know, we're blessed to be a child of God, period, and to live in the greatest country on the planet. We need to learn to be thankful for those things. Amen. And God will bless us for that. But understand that we all end up this place at times. We all struggle with this. So if you let that prideful spirit play itself out, it will always lead to some kind of self-destructive behavior. How did I get here? Why is this, all this happening to me? It's because you let the prideful spirit or the haughty spirit play itself out, and now all of a sudden, you're, lead, you're into self-destructive behavior. The reason why a lot of us are in the places we don't wanna be is because we've allowed our lives to be undisciplined. And can I tell you, when I talk to people, we wanna talk about other people did this, other people said this, the devil did this, the devil said that. Can I tell you, most times, more times than not, it's self-sabotage. Let's just be honest. The progression is we bought into a lie somewhere, we thought we deserve something, or we're better than that, or we deserve this or that, and all of a sudden that led to some self-destructive behavior. And we're in places because we lead undisciplined lives. We've got away from the disciplines that are there to be guardrails around our life. And let me just share a little bit with you. I believe that we, if we maintain reading our Bible daily, whatever it is, the scripture, five minutes start there. If we'll read our Bible daily, if we'll find times of prayer daily, if we'll go to church regularly, if we'll find a place to serve and to give ourselves to helping others, if we'll get in a group, a serving group, if we'll take care of our body, we'll take care of our mind, renew it daily, we'll take care of our relationships. Can I tell you, the more disciplined we are, the more or less self-destructive we are. And so we lay out from church or we lay out from things and we don't do some things. And listen, can I tell you, that's the worst thing you can do. And I know you're supposed to say that because I'm a pastor. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to church. I'm trying to help you. I, 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 my job is to help you avoid self-destructive behaviors and help you see it through the scripture. And so we need to make sure that our life uh, you know, gets more disciplined. But if we let our life become mismanaged, it will always lead to some kind of self-destructive behavior that we never wanted to be in. And so how do we know when it's in that, when we're in that place? I hear this all the time from people. Let me give you a couple things to help you know when you're in this place. Here's some things you'll say. I just can't help myself. That's who I am. That's how God made me. It's how my dad was, how my granddad was. I deserve this. What harm could it do? I'm, it's just about me. I'm not really doing anything to anybody else. Or it's not that bad. And we justify it. And so that's a dangerous trap. Proverbs 14, 12 through 13, message paraphrase, says this. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough, but look again, it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Looks harmless. Honestly, for some of us, life is, our life is mismanaged right now, and it's looking harmless to you. Can I tell you, be careful how you think. So in, in humility, go back and put your life back in order. And if you ignore this one, you get to stage three. Stage three is this, we isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves from those who can help us. We isolate ourselves from God and others. That's how people lay out. We don't see them for a long time or whatever. And especially when they're going through stuff, we don't see them. It's like, 
You're staying away from the people and the God that can help you. And here's, here's what we don't want people to know. We're, we don't want people to know where we're at. We don't, we're embarrassed. And so we avoid people or we wear masks. And so it's easier to wear masks and avoid people than to actually deal with it. And we've all done it. And so we say things when we're in this stage like this. I don't owe you an explanation. They don't understand me over there. I don't need them. I can do it on my own. And that could not be further from the truth. Proverbs 18.1 says this. Whoever isolates himself. Now listen to the word of God. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Don't isolate yourself. It's not healthy. It's not good for you to do. If you ignore that stage and you end up where I'm trying to keep you out of, and I want to help you find freedom, you'll find yourself on this last stage in a dark place, a desperate situation. And whether that is with your finances or with your marriage or your relationships, can I tell you, this progression is always the same. It always begins with a lie. And if we don't deal with a lie, then it leads to self-destructive behavior. And then we isolate ourselves and ultimately find ourselves in a dark place. But can I give you good news today? God is big enough to get you out of that dark place. Now, God doesn't ever leave us in that dark place, amen, and that is good news. God does not leave you where you are, wherever you are in your life. If you find yourself in this progression, in this dark place, I want to encourage you, God is more than enough. You know, we're talking about finances. I remember, you know, just next month, next month is uh, my wife and I will celebrate our 20th anniversary. And so, yeah, thank you. It's amazing. Boy, how time flies, honey, when you're having fun. You know, it's amazing already at 20 years. But listen, we have had some dark places and this progression is held true. And in the area of finances, I can remember times where we've done some bad decisions financially and we just felt trapped, trapped and overwhelmed. I can remember a time, and, and maybe for some it happens this way, it was, a, it was a vehicle. My wife went somewhere, I believe with her mom or with some other ladies, and when she was gone, I bought a new vehicle. I thought we needed to have a new vehicle. But I wasn't, I wasn't brave enough to do it when she was home. I went and she went out of town. Look what I got for you, honey. I got this for you. It's wonderful. How are we gonna pay for that? I don't know. But look at it, just sit in it. Yeah, you ever been upside down on a car payment thing there? Yeah, okay, yeah. So we made some decisions like that. We found ourselves in desperate situations. And, and can I tell you, we learned some things. I had a good dad that was a good money manager. I'm, um, I believe in tithing, and that's always the way I'll talk about that in a sense. I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. And you know, I learned some things. And for, for some of us, like, we, we, we bought house, a house that, is, that was a foreclosure, so we'd have some margin. And we learned some hard lessons. We were in a dark place. And so can I tell you now, our newest vehicle now, and I have a car that runs great, and so does she, our newest vehicle now is 10 years old, but we don't have a payment on it, but it runs great. I have a 2007, yeah, great. My wife drives a 2005. My oldest drives a 2003 that we bought from some friends, a great car, it was in our budget, we bought it. And then my youngest, who's gonna drive soon, waiting for her to get her license, she's got her permit. We just bought her a car. We went all the way down to 1996. She's got a 96 classic. Geo tracker, right? <laughs> and that is so Camry. Camry's driving a geo tracker. We call it Lil G. She's in Lil G, cruising, right? And it doesn't even get 65 miles an hour. It doesn't even get up to that speed. It's like, so she's like, Dad, you want to drive my car? I'm like, No, we, we need a little more time. That, you know, we don't have that much. Only got an hour to get there. We need more time. But can I tell you, there is a way out. It took some time. And it took some, a, a, a process we'll talk about walking through to get us there. But there is a way out. And I'm thankful for the people in my life that helped me understand these principles. Here, here's how you feel in that dark place, that dark trap. Psalms 88.8, 8, 
Living Bible says, you have made my friends to loathe me and they have gone away. I am in, listen to this last phrase, I am in a trap with no way out. And if you feel that way this morning, this message is for you. And whether it be your marriage or your finances, can I tell you, those are some of the most difficult things to deal with. Can I tell you, there is a way out. This message is for you. And if this is what you wrongly believe, then God has a way out. God designed this service for you. Listen, the truth is this, Psalms 34, 18, good news translation, that the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saved those who have lost all hope. That's good news. That's the truth. In that dark place, God is near. He has not abandoned you. He is close to those who are brokenhearted. Where you're in a desperate situation, it gets God's attention. When you make bad decisions, it gets God's attention. Let me say it this way. When my kids make bad choices, I don't abandon them. That's when they need me the most. That's when they need me the most. God is with you. If you lost all hope, this message is for you, and all you need to remember is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the second half. Here's what it says. All you, and it says this. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there for you to help you come through it. You can get through it. That's God's word. That's God's promise. No matter what you've done or where you have been or how you got there or if you feel you're past the point of no return, listen to me this morning. There is no point of no return for a God who can raise the dead. There's no point of no return for a God who can raise the dead. It's never too far, it's never too late. It's never too far, it's never too late. Some of you need to leave this place today saying, it's never too far, it's never too late. I'm never past the point of no return to God. Let's go back to the story, Luke 15, 17. So let's look at the way out, the progression out of this. When he came to his senses and when he found out, hey, listen, this just makes sense. He said, how many of my father's hired servants had food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. So he, so he said, I gotta have a plan. He, he puts together a plan. I'll set out and go back to my father. And I got a speech. I'll have a speech I'll have ready for him. I'm gonna say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then he says, so he got up. So then he followed through with his plan. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I love this, was filled with compassion for him. Ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You know what that tells me? The father was waiting. The father was looking. The father was longing for the return of his son. If you feel a far way off in God in a desperate situation, he is ready for you to come home. He's waiting for you to come home. He's waiting for you to include him again in your life. I love that about God. God is a good and faithful God. His father was watching. And God wonders that about you today. Is this the day you'll come home? Is this the day he'll see you come back? God is wondering, is today the day you're gonna let me help you with that? God's wondering if today is the day you're gonna let me be involved with your finances. God's wondering, is today the day you're gonna let me help you carry that burden? Your heavenly father's on the front porch waiting for you. And the son's speech that he prepared in verse 21, he, he gives his dad the speech, but he wasn't needed because the father was already there. It was important though. Now, if you're trapped and you are in debt, here's the way out. Here's the way out for whatever has trapped you and whatever in your life. We see that in the story. Number one, acknowledge the reality of where you are. That's where it begins, to be honest with you. And that's probably the biggest battle, acknowledging the reality of where you are. You know, most of the battle is admitting where you are at. 
here I am, I'm here. Can I tell you, he knows where you are. He just wants you to acknowledge it. Most of us don't want anyone to know where we are. And most of us don't want anyone to know we're drowning in debt and we're trying to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> it's like trying to live a life. So we need to come to a place and say, I did it. Nobody did this to me, I did it. I did it, here's where I am. You know, God never expected you to be perfect. Maybe that'll be freeing for some of you. God never expected you to be perfect. God never expected you not to make mistakes. He knew you could not do it, which is why he sent Jesus. I don't expect, can I say this? I don't expect my kids to be perfect. That's impossible. They're gonna make mistakes. Then what do I want from my kids? The truth. The truth. Tell me you messed up. Tell me you need me and I'll help you. You know, King David wrote a beautiful psalm. He wrote it in a prayer after he committed adultery and after he committed murder. Psalms 51, verses one through six, NIV says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. I, before I reasoned on the planet, I was sinful. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. If you read the message paraphrase on verse six right there where it says you desired faithfulness, it says you desired truth. God, what does he want from me? He doesn't want perfection. He doesn't expect that. That's an impossibility. He just wants the truth. He wants you to be honest with him. He just wants you to acknowledge it. You cannot do this without him. If you study Psalms, and the Psalms are not in chronological order. The Bible's not in chronological order. Psalms are not in chronological order. And most scholars believe that Psalms 32 comes after Psalm 51. So, David's acknowledging God just wants the truth from him in Psalm 51, but look at Psalm 32, verse three through five. Here's what it says, and most believe this comes after Psalm 51. When I kept it all inside, when I kept it all to me, my bones turned to powder, my words became day-long groans, I was miserable all the time. The pressure never let up, all the juices of my life dried up. When you keep it inside, that's where you are, you're in misery. But look at the next verse, in, verse, in the next verse here. Then I let it all out. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. I'm gonna acknowledge to God, I did it. Here I am, I admit it, God. And here's what the Bible promises to those who admit the truth to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved and my sin disappeared. The moment you admitted to God, I did this. I did this without you. Can I tell you, that's a promise from God to relieve the pressure, to dissolve the guilt, and to take your sin away when you'll admit the truth to him. That's a good God. That's the first thing, acknowledge that to God, let it out. God's not looking for perfection, he's looking for the truth. And there's freedom when you say, I did it, God. And then you need to do what the prodigal did. What's the next step? Develop a plan of attack. Develop a plan of attack, go do something See, here's the problem most of us have. We're gonna to come to church and we're gonna have a feel-good moment in church and then we're gonna go out and be completely the same way we've been without doing or implementing a plan. The boy had a plan. It wasn't the right plan, but he had a plan. 
God had a different plan, but at least the boy had a plan and was acting on that. We need a plan. We need to do something about it. Proverbs 27, 12 says this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. In other words, if you don't have a plan, you're going to keep doing what you're doing. You're going to keep circling that mountain again, and you're going to keep paying the price for it. You need to get these disciplines back in our life. We talked about disciplines, discipline in the word again, discipline in prayer, discipline in coming to church, discipline in serving, discipline in tithing, discipline in giving. Get a plan to get those disciplines back in your life. Get a plan to go to Right Now Media. Get on My2LC and, uh, account and go to Dave Ramsey and get a plan. Get, get a, what is that, the debt snowball, right? That's what we did. We looked at the smallest debt, we paid it off, and we added to the bigger one, bigger one, and it took a little while, but we got out of that debt. Listen, have a plan. Have a plan and do it. Dave Ramsey says this, if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, and I am, he says this, debt is bad, saving is good, giving is fun, and stuff is meaningless. Words to live by. It's not in the Bible, but it should be. It probably is in different ways, but okay. All right, number three, do it now. Do it now. Well, I'll wait till next week. I'll wait till I get paid. I'll, I'll wait till the beginning of next month. I mean, it's almost April. Or uh, wait, Do it now. Take some steps now. What can you do today? 2 Corinthians 6, 2, second half of that verse says this. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Acknowledge it and admit it now. Implement a plan now. Do it today. Seize the moment. Do it today. And okay, the last step fixes where it all began. The last step step fixes where it all began. Number four, humbly ask your father for help. Humbly ask your Father God for help. God, I can't do it without you. I can't do any of it without you. I tried and look where it got me. I'm sorry, I cannot do this without you. I have nothing, I am nothing without you. I need your help. You know, humility puts you back in the favor of God. First Peter 5, 5 through 7. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because why why is humility important because God opposes the proud but he shows favor to the humble God shows favor to the humble humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him but he cares because he cares for you can you believe it's that easy can you believe it's that easy After all these years and all this time and all this worry and stress and heartache, all you need to do is humble yourself before God. Come to God. Remember our issue is pride. So if we come and humble ourselves, God's favor rests upon us. God lifts us up. God exalts us. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. See, listen, the reality of this is if you don't humble yourselves, you will eventually be humbled. And without a show of hands, come on. I mean, some of us know what we're talking about there. Listen, it's humility or humiliation. One way or the other. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He will lift you up. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. There is a way out because he cares for you. God is a good and faithful God. And I don't know where, what you've done. I, I know our story of times of desperation and we've gotten out of debt we've got back in debt we've gotten out of debt i know our times of desperation god has always been there and this progress of getting there has held true in our life and this process of getting out has held true in our life because here's what i know the word works so we need to get our thinking in line with god's thinking and find our way out 
to the freedom he always wanted and always intended us to walk in because he is a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.